Good morning, church. How we doing? All right? I love that. I love that response. I want to do it again. How we doing? All right? Oh, it's good to be in God's house this morning. God has just done some amazing stuff already today. And um, you can feel his presence in the room, can't you? It's this weighty presence of God in the room. And that's just incredible because um, we need that, don't we? Not just now, but in our everyday lives. So let's bow our heads and let's, give, let's just pray. Father, we bless. thank you so much, God, that you are here, present, active, that you are living, that you are breathing, that you are moving. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we get to to do this together with you, Lord, that we get to partner with you to see change happen in our nation, in our world, and um, we get to partner with you in seeing your work transcend all generations. So God, I pray that you would open hearts this morning, that you would open minds this morning. Would you inspire us? Would you equip us? And would you enable us to be the people that you have called us to be? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so... um. We've started, uh, so we've been looking at the last couple of weeks at um, We See a Church, and, we, and this is our statements uh, for what we see as a, as a church, clearly. But it's, it, we're touching on a number of our distinctives. We're not touching on who, what makes us who we are as a people. And today I'm going to be sharing on um, We See a Church Inspired, Equipped, and Enabled to Find Their Place of Service. And if you don't know who I am, um, I am part of the visionary leadership team of this church, and I head up discipleship and life groups, and I get the pleasure and the privilege of doing DNA. Has anyone done DNA in the, in the, in the house today? And anyone heard me speak about it? Because if you have heard me speak about it, I get really excited, don't I? Okay, that, that. everyone's being polite. I get really excited about it, because I get to share something incredible. I get to share that we get to partner in the most incredible rescue mission that the world has ever seen. We get to partner with the most incredible rescue mission that the world has ever seen. Forget John Wick or Taken or all of those kind of guys. This is something that's been planned before the beginning of time. And I talk about uh, what Jesus says in Matthew 28, just before he kind of ascends into the heavens. And it's kind of like this, you know, the end of season one of your favorite box set, right? So you've got your popcorn and you're watching and it's kind of like the last few moments of what's going to happen. And Jesus says these words. He says this. He does. He says this in Matthew 28, 16 to 20. It's bear with me, right? He says, meanwhile, meanwhile, the 11 disciples heard the wonderful news from the women and left for Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had arranged to meet with them. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him, but some still had some lingering doubts. Then Jesus came close to them and said, right, this is the, this is the, this is the moment, yeah? This is kind of like the last few moments. He said, all authority of the universe has been given to me. Now, wherever you go, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to follow, faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you, even to the completion of this age. That's the end of that season one. So it's kind of wrapped, to kind of just step back a bit. Jesus has been crucified at this point. 
And he's rose again and he's, he's visited his disciples and they, they know that he's the resurrected king. And he's just, he's finished, he's done, I have, it's finished. And now he's about to ascend into heaven. And the, the, the disciples are like, wow, what happens next? But it's at this moment, it's in this point that Jesus invites us into the greatest rescue mission of all time. Now, I want to talk about the narrative of this, right? Because some of you are like, rescuing from what? Like, hold on a minute. There we go. Rescue from what? Maybe some of us may have grown up in, in church and may know the narrative, but for those that don't, I want to kind of give you an Insta-feed abridged version. Maybe not 140 characters, you can't tweet it, but I'll do my best. I'll do my best. And the kind of, I'm going to use a kind of a, a, a depiction, a, an analogy. So, we as a people are in between two gardens. One at the beginning of time and a garden that's yet to come. The commonality about these, both, these two gardens is that God is present with man and man is present with God and there is, they're enjoying fellowship and they're enjoying union just as it was always intended. But there's a space between the garden on the, at the beginning and the garden at the end. You see, in the very beginning, God was walking with man and he breathed his life into man. A man became a living being. A man was designed, when I say man, I mean man and woman is in mankind. Yeah? So mankind, we, us, we were meant to be in relationship with God. We were meant to have a dependency on God. But you see, us as human beings, we chose independence at some point. And you see, God knew that if we chose independence, that the, the only way that it was going to play out is that we would end up in destruction. So he loves the world so much that he starts to establish a kingdom on earth with some people. But you see, they don't really get it. They can't really grasp it. And humanity is moving towards a place of this inevitability of destruction. But you see, the story doesn't end there. The story is a story of hope. Because at some point, God loved the world so much that he sent his only son to come down and step into the narrative of the story. Anybody happy for Jesus? Anybody excited about Jesus in this place? Because Jesus, Jesus does the thing for man that man can't do himself. Jesus pays the penalty for the consequence of man's choice of independence. But you see, that's only part of the story. And we've picked that story up here because Jesus ascends to the heavens and he says, now you are part of this. I in you and you in me. And we now partner together to bring about this garden in the future. So for those of you who may have known that story, I know it's kind of like an abridged version, but I hope you get the narrative you see, the Apostle Paul explains our role on earth in it like this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He explains mission not impossible, but possible. He says, now if anyone is enfolded in Christ, he has become an entirely new person. That all is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. 
In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions as he entrusted us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God was tenderly pleading with them directly through our own lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back and be reconciled to him. You see, this is our role as Christians. I don't know about you, but I've always wondered, when we give our lives as believers, why don't we just get raptured up straight away? You know, why don't we just get zapped up? Like, thank you, ding, access pass. And that's because we are, our job here is to bring heaven to earth. That's our role. That's our job. And we do that with partnering with the Holy Spirit. We do that by partnering with Jesus. You see, Jesus isn't a distant God. He's a God who wants to get up close and personal. He's a God that wants to get involved in us all, in our, in, get involved in our lives and have us get involved with him too. And the thing about this is, there's no substitutes and there's no spectators. Everyone's got a part to play. Everyone has got a part to play in this. And you know, for me, I don't know about you, but I remember um, I used to be quite an ample child uh, when I was a bit younger. And sometimes, you know, when you get, when people are trying to play football and they're kind of picking the person who don't want to play football, and then you're like lined up and they're like, oh, young, I love you. Yeah, I love you. I love you, and you're there sitting there kind of like. Oh, you don't like this story? It's true. It's a true story, though. Because there's always a guy who's like, who's been playing and he's injured, and you're like, oh, please pick me before the injured dude. Please. Please, just pick me before him, please. I don't know, maybe you've never felt like that. But I do want to talk to somebody who's ever struggled with self-worth. If you've ever struggled with insecurity like I have, if you've ever struggled with your value, I want to tell you today that God chooses to partner with you. He wants your story as part of the story to make history. You are valuable in God's eyes and every life matters. Every life matters. We are doing this together to bring God's kingdom on earth. Now, if you don't get excited about that, then I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. See, Jesus modeled what it truly means to be human. He models what it truly is to have that relationship with the Father. You see, where we choose independence, Jesus models us how to live with interdependence. Interdependence on the Spirit of God. So our personal discipleship is about being more like Jesus. So we have to learn to become more interdependent on him. In John 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And it's this wonderful imagery of this interconnection, this interweaving. Not one being separate from the other. That's how it was intended to be. We weren't meant to live a life without God. We are human because God lives in us. That is what it's all about. And we get the chance to take this to the world. So the Holy Spirit inspires us and equips us and enables us to be like Jesus, to be his hands and feet, to be his ambassadors wherever we find ourselves. 
Because wherever we're stationed is our place of service. And wherever we're set, and our place of service is also our place of influence. Wherever we find ourselves is our place of service. And that place of service is our place for influence. So we see a church inspired for influence. Now, my kids, um, I've got three children, and uh, they, they watch these things that I just don't understand them, right? They, they're now in an age where I just don't get it. And they watch these things. Um, they watch these two shows. I don't know. If, does anybody know Cole and Sav? Any hands in the room? No? How about Tiana, Toys and Me? There's one, there's one or two hands. So I don't know them either. It's a, it's a foreign, it's an anomaly to me. It's strange. But these are YouTubers. These are YouTube guys. They're social influencers. Right? And you see, the social influencers now, because of the introduction of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, it gives a platform for anybody to become an influencer. You know, since 2017, uh, 300, it's grown by 350% marketing in terms of investment into social influence because, we, because they know the power that that has. Well, who are these guys? Who are these social influences? Effectively, they're just normal people like you and me. I mean, this 10-year-old girl, she's got 11.1 million subscribers. Like, you're 10. Like, what do you know about anything? Like, what is this? I don't get it. Some watch a documentary or something. But they're just normal people. They're just normal people. And there's, there's this other one on YouTube where they just open boxes of toys. And then the kids watch people open boxes of toys. It's unreal. Unbelievable stuff. But this is the truth. Social influencers. And they're having such a big impact on the way that people have their views on life. You know, what it does is because they are real people, they provide an access gateway into the lives of others so they can shape their opinions. They do that. And some of them are doing it for some amazing things. Like, like the lady here, her name is Greta Thunberg. She's 16 years old. And she is a social influencer who is championing climate change in her generation. She is someone who is absolutely smashing it. So social influence has power. Can I tell you that Jesus was a social influencer? Talk about followers. I mean, this guy just wanted to break some bread and he had 5,000 men plus women and children join him. Now, he had a verified tick, I'm definitely sure. He was well blue ticked up, I'm sure. Blue tick, blue tick. 100, 100%. But see, he was inspired and he was passionate about the kingdom of heaven. He was a social influencer. You see, he carried it. He embodied it. And wherever he went and whoever he encountered, he took the kingdom of heaven. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit. You see, we see a church. We see a tribe of people who are inspired by the Holy Spirit to see the kingdom of God break out wherever they are. Because that's our role. That's our job. You know, I, um, I remember, I don't know if I, I, said, I shared this story once that I was on a plane. I was heading off to Austin, Texas on, on a business trip. And I met this guy and he uh, was he very different to who I am. And he had some, um, he was a fashion designer, in fact. 
and we spoke about a few things and he asked me about my life and I started to share with him about Jesus or my thoughts on Jesus and he actually started to initially kind of put a guard up. He kind of said, you know, because he felt that maybe what was going to proceed next out of my mouth would have enforced any stereotype uh, that he had about maybe the way that he lived his life. But I spoke to him about a God who loved people. I spoke to him about a God who didn't draw lines but drew circles. I spoke to him about a God, a God of love. And you know what he said to me? He said, I've always kind of had an interest in the church, and, but I didn't know if there would be, be a God who would accept me for who I am. Now, I don't know what happened to that guy. I don't know where he is today. But I know that kingdom broke out in his life on that plane. I had a chat with another lady this morning. I'm in business and I was speaking to this lady this morning, uh, on Monday morning. And um, she is a counselor and she, was, she started to talk to me about her struggle with forgiveness. I don't know, I don't know how I start these conversations. <laughs> but I asked her a question and she looked at me and she was like, oh, I... You know, I struggle with this. So I spoke to her about a God, a God of forgiveness. You see, it doesn't matter where you are or who you are. It doesn't matter about your age or your social economic class. I love what Rachel said. You, know, you could be black, blue, white, rainbow color, whatever, and in between. God can use your story. God can use you to bring the kingdom anywhere you are. And we need to renew our thinking about we can only be effective for the kingdom if we are employed by the church. Can I just say that? Do you mind if I say that? You, I, want you to, I want you to know that you don't have to be a pastor or a preacher or you don't have to be, uh, have a doctorate in theology. You don't, have to, you don't have to do any of that to have an influence because the kingdom, because the kingdom is bigger than the church. And the kingdom of God needs to break out. We want to see the kingdom of God break out in our music, in our media, in the boardrooms, in our banks, in the schools. We need the kingdom of God to break out in politics right now more than any, any, any time else. We need the kingdom of God to break out everywhere. And who's going to do it? You and me. It's us. See, influence leads to impact. And the Holy Spirit not only inspires us, but he equips us for an impact. So we see a church that's equipped for impact. You know, we spoke about the end of season one. Jesus was kind of like teasing us with that. Like, you know, the end of season one is kind of like, you know, and then we've got the apostles kind of waiting. But at the beginning of Acts, we hear Jesus give a couple of spoilers for season two. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait there until you receive the gift I have told you, the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized with water, but in a few days from now, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it time now for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He said, the Father is the only one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You're not permitted to know the time of all that he's prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be filled with power. And with great power comes great responsibility. No, he didn't add that. That's my, I just couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. But you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. 
Because, you know, Jesus said that he, he knew that for us to take the baton on, to be part of this, that we needed the same power that he had. We needed to be equipped and clothed with the Holy Spirit because we can't do it in our own strength. But you might be saying, well, what does that power look like? What does it mean to have the power of God flowing through you? Well, it looks like this. It looks being able to break strongholds that used to hold you back in the name of Jesus. We have authority over that stuff. But it's also choosing compassion. It's the power to forgive when someone's done you wrong. It's the power to love when actually you have every right, maybe in the natural, not to. It's the power to become united in an increasingly secularized and polarized world. You know, we are fighting so many things and we are talking about privilege and race in 2019. We're having a conversation now that really, truly, we really shouldn't be happening. We really shouldn't be having this conversation because we should be further forward than this. But we in this room, we have the answer to that. We model to the world what it means to bring kingdom of heaven onto earth. Us in this room, you and me. That's the power we have. That's the power we have. A power to change and impact the world. One life at a time. That's the power we have. The power to be the voice for the voiceless. So that's, you see, the church is the hope of the world and it impacts the one and the world. And finally, we see a church that's enabled to enable. You see, Lucy Pepiat, when she came, she spoke, she said, she said that um, the Holy Spirit is as gentle as a dove, but he's dynamic and powerful and he causes a revolution. The Holy Spirit can cause a revolution. You know, the revolution he starts is first in us and then it goes into other people. It starts out with us and it flows out. And the only imagery that I've had from this is a really old movie called The Matrix. Maybe who, if you're listening online and you're a millennial, you probably haven't seen the great film, but it's an amazing movie, okay? Keanu Reeves at his best. And there's this point in the film where you've got Mr. Smith, who's a virus, and he replicates himself by just touching other people. It's kind of freaky, but it works. But he, he's able to replicate what's in him in someone else. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When we allow him to make a revolution within us, we reach out and touch people and we deposit something of the Holy Spirit in them and it starts a revolution in them and the world gets changed and looks much better because that's God's design. It starts with you and me. Jesus said this. Here's another way to put it. You are the light. You are here to be the light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept quiet. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, don't you think I'm going to hide you under a bucket? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Skylark Church, are we ready to shine? Keep an open house. Be generous with your lives because by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. You see, we see a church that is unashamed of the gospel. 
We have to be unashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God until salvation. And this was really challenged me. Who in my sphere of influence is sitting in darkness because I am too afraid to share his light? We have got to be unashamed of the gospel because it is hope, it is light, it is power, it sets people free. And not only that, it gives them license to live how we were meant to live in communion and relationship with God. So that's it. Thank you so much for your patience. It's been a great morning. But we see a church inspired, equipped and enabled to find their place of service because we see a church that's passionately empowered by the Holy Spirit that takes the kingdom everywhere and to everyone it encounters. That is our place of service. Amen. Amen.